the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. There's always an argument that we have free will. I mean, Adam was created with free will, so we all have free will. Well, we fail to realize Adam gave it up in the garden. And when he gave it up, he gave it up for us as well, as we'll see next. Hi there, and welcome to Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand, where we are exploring the myth that man's will is free. Now, there are many who will balk at this and argue that we do have free will. The sad fact is, if that were the case, neither you nor I could pray for our loved ones to come to faith in Christ, because that would violate their free will, right? We're asking God to invade them. But that is precisely what the Bible calls us to. And once we understand this will issue, we have great freedom then to go to God in prayer and pray for their salvation. Here's Pastor Jesse with more on today's Way of Grace. In Proverbs chapter 20, verse 24, the text that had briefly eluded me last week, I think about this one a lot relative to the notion that man would conceive in his own mind a level of freedom that does not exist in his real-time experience which again is what I'm going to lift up as part of an endemic era in all of us, and that is the uh, creation and production in our own mind of things that don't correspond with reality, but are figments of our imagination, of which sometimes it goes undetectable in us, and it can go undetectable in other people as well. And to the degree that fantasy or non-real perceptions or distorted ideas that don't correspond with truth persist, which is the same as believing a lie, um, to the degree that they persist, we can be deceived. Uh, and we do, we are deceived and we can live um, quite, uh, uh, we can live quite complicated in a system, a web of deceit, a web of lies. I, I think the way that we can also um, describe or define what our life was like before conversion is a lie that we actually operated out of a lot of assumptions, a lot of ideas, um, if you were a thinking person, even in your own conceit, that really did not correspond with truth, but we couldn't detect it. We couldn't pick up that it was false, erroneous, it was non-real, it was um, a, a, a pack of distorted assumptions. Now, why is that the case for humanity? <clears throat> I think humanity, uh, according to the scripture, is so prone 
to uh, falsehood and error precisely because <clears throat> he or she is not free precisely because we are not free creatures. Because we're not free creatures, we cannot claim ownership to origin or design or plans and purposes and certainty of outcomes. I'm just kind of, I'm kind of framing your thoughts right now around this. This is what I think the proverb is getting ready to lay out before us and you can take notes as we unpack this a little bit. The Proverbs in chapter 20, verse 4, gives us an observation of the whole of humanity, and then it raises a question. And inherent in this observation is the argument that it's not possible for mankind to operate in a state of total freedom from his surrounding environments, or the intrinsic characteristics of his own nature precisely because he cannot own origin. He cannot own a beginning point. Let's look at what, I, what the text is saying. It starts off by saying man's goings. Now the word that we have to actually look at just a little bit if you are not familiar with the King James Bible is the term goings. And if you would look at different translations, the idea of goings there could be translated man's way, man's conduct, man's behavior, man's pattern of life. So that when we talk about goings, it's what he is doing. Literally, in the Hebrew, the framing of this term, I, I use the word man's behavior because it is, but really it's the word steps. It's the word steps. And that has to do with his walk. It has to do with his conduct. Men's steps. Men's behavior, his walk, his conduct. Um, the the uh, Proverbs, the writer of the Proverbs, Solomon, would say here, men's steps, his behavior, his conduct, his manner of life. Another way to put it is his manner of life. Um, and, and you can mark that down. His mannerisms because his steps develop um, as a conglomerate whole, certain manners, mannerisms, his, um, his choices, right? Everything that you and I do proceed from choices. We, uh, we choose to get up, we choose to engage in a certain kind of ritualistic behavior in our life on a, on a minor level, and then we choose to engage in more uh, significant enterprises, depending upon how responsible we are, are, or how privileged we are. So when we talk about steps, or we talk about um, actions, we talk about mannerisms, choices, or the word that I just chose to use, man's behaviors, man's activity. That's the way that we will really be fleshing it out. Man's behavior, his goings, his activities, his steps, his mannerisms, and choices. That's just the whole expression of who he is, does not. That's what the text is going to teach us. I'm speaking in the negative. The text is speaking in the assertive or positive. It does not originate in himself. Man's goings, our behavior or actions or conduct 
cannot be said to start with him, originate in himself. He doesn't generate his own actions by himself free of other pre-existing conditions. And so the last line in that verse, uh, first clause is man's goings are of the Lord. You guys see that statement? It's very, a very positive proposition that underscores the idea that humanity has a pattern of life that really has its origins in the Lord. That almost seems overly simple, doesn't it? But I, I want to drill down into it by starting again saying that if that proposition is true, if man's goings, if his steps, if his behavior, if his actions are of the Lord, that's the term of the Lord, having its origins in God, then my negative proposition is true. It does not originate in himself. Can, that, can, that, can, can, those, two, um, can those two correspond? Right. If, in fact, that's another proverb. Man, man's steps are directed of the Lord. That's very clear. But I'm drilling down into an idea that's going to be, appear very clear to you in a moment. And that would be this. No man at any time, anywhere in human history, has ever existed without God having already been there as the originator of that person and of all that person's ways. So the idea that should quickly settle into your mind is to be a man or to be a woman is not to be a creature that is self-existent, independent, autonomous, and free of external or internal influences, but rather is a mere creature that is brought into an existence for which there are already a set of pre-existing systems in the which he or she must operate. Does that make some sense? Right. Like no human being comes into this world apart from a mother and a father. That is a pre-existing complex system. So the child doesn't get to own its origin. The child doesn't get to own its character. The child doesn't get to own its qualities. The child doesn't get to own the condition of his life. When you and I are brought into any level of consciousness, we discover that we are already in the midst of a whole system of activities and, and complex organisms and hierarchical structures governing our life. Does that make some sense, ladies and gentlemen? Okay, so I'm just kind of driving that down. <clears throat> and the reason why is, again, if we entertain the concept of free will, <clears throat> just because it's something everybody likes rolling off their lips and we don't understand the absurdity of it in terms of the inference drawn from it. I'm free. I do whatever I want to do. I'm my own boss. I control my own destiny. That person is denying reality. That's why I opened up the way that I did. I opened up sharing with you that if we're not honest thinkers, deep thinkers, consistent thinkers, thinkers who are committed to thinking in terms of reality, 
We can fabricate an assumption, a set of ideas about ourselves and be completely deluded in everything about our ideas are actually smacking contrary to reality. Empirical, objective, uh, uh, literal, factual reality. All right, and yet that's what's going on in our world. All right, so under the first line, men's goings are of the Lord. Um, I'll remind you what, what Paul said in, in Romans chapter 11, verse 33 through 36. This is what we call, again, a chief operating principle, chief organizing principle. This is a principle that is axiomatic to the believer relative to who it is that is actually the first cause of everything. Right. So uh, one of the reasons I started the study on free will, I'm going to come back around again to drill it home, is that you and I are living in an outrageous era of human arrogance at such uh, heights of technological and rhetorical and diabolical uh, expressions that we will be deceived if we don't anchor ourselves in explicit axioms of biblical truth that remind us that the way man is behaving is as if he is God. You got to get that. The way he's behaving is as if he is God. And he's not. Nothing ever started with man. Not even sin. He joined in on the journey of sin in order for God to prove that man was man and man was not God. Um, but today man boasts himself of his goings, of his steps, of his mannerisms, of his choices, of his plans, of his goals. Doesn't he? Doesn't he lay out long term agendas almost with a kind of edge of infallibility and certainty. Now, this is the creature that I just said was not born by himself of himself, but is the outcome of several complex mechanisms and organisms that have completely limited who he is in his potential as a creature. And yet he would pause it to the world if he had the chance to get behind the microphone and tell us, in seven years, the whole world's going to be turned upside down and everybody's going to be lifted up out of the misery of organic life into transhumanism and say it with the kind of audacity and audacity that fundamentally is suggesting we are God and we can do whatever we want and no one will ever stop us. Now, again, I put that out there before you, because if you're talking in casual with your friends about free will and you stay locked into the low resonance argument of free will, you're not going to be doing God a favor if you don't understand the real seriousness behind the foolish notion that man is free in his will to do whatever he wants to. That really is a statement of war against God. I, 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 wanna, I really want to press that home. And humanity has taught our kids how to believe that. It's taught our youth how to believe that. It's, it teaches everybody that you are the master of your own destiny. And if anyone should tell you otherwise, they need to be summarily canceled or destroyed. 
Now, I say that to say that whenever you are moving into a situation going forward and you you have to talk about the issue of the freedom of the will, I, I would really want you to be able to work through the way we have articulated it and have laid out the argument. You do have a free will, but it's not absolutely free and it's not free to do whatever you wanted to do. And in fact, your freedom is so not freedom, it's not hardly really any freedom at all to speak of because your freedom is really to do those things that are in keeping with your nature and your nature is sinful. Does that make some sense? Sure it does. And that's because you know enough about the Bible for that to be the case. But what if you're talking about talking with someone who does not know the Bible? Can you stretch that language out and have a conversation with them to help them understand that their choices are frequently wrong and bad and not good. And secondly, their choices are frequently limited to their fundamental predilections and bents. In theology, we call this compatibilistic freedom. Compatibilistic freedom. I talked about the one-way clutch last week. You guys remember that? I gave the picture of the one-way clutch. It's in our automatic transmissions. Fluid pressure runs on that one-way clutch to turn it in a certain direction. That's why your car goes forward. That's a one-way clutch. That clutch automatically locks up if the pressure releases so that it can't automatically go in reverse. We are one-way clutches in that because of our sinful nature, all we can do by nature, according to the word of God, as we've already learned, is sin. Does that make some sense? Right. We are sinners. And as sinners, we're slaves to sin. And so at the fundamental motive of all of our actions, they are not those things that glorify God. They do not honor God. And they are not done at the level of righteousness that would constitute any kind of goodness in God's sight. In other words, you and I might be able to fight about relative good. And, and, and what I mean by fight is we might argue about it. And, and I would I would acquiesce because your Bible does give you room to understand good in a relative sense. You know, I have to teach because what we often do is throw the baby out with the bath, bath water. There's a kind of good in the scriptures that is an adjective of people who would be noble in their actions, but that goodness does not rise to the level of righteousness and therefore acceptance with God. Does that make sense? Right. Scarcely shall a good man die. That's Romans chapter five. So there will be a few times in the Bible where we'll talk about human goodness. Not a lot. Not a lot. So there is not this kind of equilibrium of good and bad in terms of relative conduct. But you and I might entertain that adjective if we're trying to have a discussion with somebody and we will say, sure is good for you not to abort that baby. Let that baby live. Sure is good to make sure that you don't steal or kill or defraud someone. All of those things we would call good. But we would also know that underlying that behavior would be a rotten motive that would be far short of what God would expect in terms of character in relationship to conduct or motive in relationship to actions. Does that follow? All right. So when, when, um, when, when Paul says, oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his what? His judgments. All right. So again, we, we would go, see, we're already in a twix 
in that first primary observation, because if God's judgments are unsearchable, then I'm stuck in a dilemma of never being able to arrive at omniscience to really know whether or not I'm free or not. Did that make some sense? Right. But remember what I said as a, as a principle to really know if you're free, you have to know everything. Because if you don't know everything, then often you don't know things about what you are and are not until someone tells you, i.e. salvation. Prior to salvation, you didn't know that you were a slave of sin. Prior to salvation, you didn't know you were spiritually dead. Prior to salvation, you didn't know that you were heaping up wrath against the day of judgment and fiery indignation. Prior to conversion, you walked in really what our main text is going to call darkness. Is that true? Right. So if there if, if in the conversion theme, the binary distinction between being a saved person and therefore walking in the light and therefore knowing truth and therefore having having real spiritual freedom afforded you also means conversely that before salvation, you were walking in darkness. You did not know the truth. There was no freedom there really whatsoever. And you were a slave in a system, a complex organism that was in front of you, that was in back of you, that was under you, that was on top of you, that was in you, but was governed by God. Does that make some sense? All right. So what the text is saying is out of the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his ways and his judgments are past finding out. So that wipes you and me out in terms of omniscience. Now look at the next verse. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? None of us. Or who hath been his counselor? None of us. We're, we're behind the gun now, aren't we? Because there's one creature, one person in the universe that knows all things, and we don't know anything to add to what he knows. So we're limited creatures in a lot of ways. Verse 35. Or who hath first given to him? And it shall be recompensed unto him again. Now, if you look at that verse, that verse is going to argue my point that none of us as human beings come into existence. Um, autoanthropos. We don't come into existence of our own human will, of our own human power, of our own human generation. So what the text says here is, or who hath first given to him and it shall be recompensed unto him again. Like our life is given to us by God. Like we don't, God, when we come into existence, God doesn't owe us. We owe God. That's how limited we are because we're coming into a system already set up by God. Verse 36, here is your organizing principle. For of him, you guys know that, that's called origin. For of him, origin. And through him process mechanism. These are the constraining process and mechanisms by which the one uh, for whom all things have their origin is now being worked out through him. That means there's nothing happening outside of him. Like God is in absolute control of everything that proceeds into existence. It has its origins in God and it is absolutely controlled by God in all of the finite details. Does that make some sense? Through him. This here is a, um, the idea of through here is a uh, instrumental principle. Everything is instrumentally governed by the total 
quality package of God, whether it's omniscience, whether it's omnipotence, whether it's providence, whether it's decrees, uh, whether it's, it's volition, all of the qualities of God play a role in the outcome of everything that happens. God is in total supervision of it. And here is the uh, final, um, again, uh, a circular uh, objective here for of him and through him and what? To him are all things. So everything that comes into existence comes in by God. Everything that is in existence <clears throat> is upheld by God and everything that exists unto the point of terminus is to return to God. Well, you have been listening to Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. If you have questions or comments about the program, maybe you would like to learn more about us here at Grace Bible Church in Hayward. Reach out to us by simply calling 510-886- 9782, or you can visit our website, grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com. Sunday services here at the church are 1030 in the morning. Friday evening is our Friday evening Bible study at 630. And man, we've got friends of the ministry from all over the Bay Area who join us for this Friday night Bible study. It is an amazing time of God's Word and sweet fellowship in Christ. 6.30 in the evening Tuesdays, our prayer time and a short Bible study as well. These meetings, again, the directions and information of which you can find at our website, grace-bible.com, or by calling 510-886-9782. This program continues to air here on this radio station and on the World Wide Web because you partner with us financially and prayerfully. Thank you for your support. No gift is too small. No gift is too large. And you can either give on a monthly basis or it's a one-time gift. It is all tax deductible. And again, the biggest part of your partnership with us is that we get to continue ministering the gospel of grace here in the Bay Area and all over the world. Consider that as you contact us and join us again next time for another broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.